Yes, I think a lot of you know that I, I spend a lot of time at uh, monasteries in the lineage of Ajahn Chah. And um, this, uh, a number of years ago, uh, something happened at uh, one of the monasteries that uh, was just, it turned out to be such a, um, a wonderful teaching on dukkha and how to work with dukkha, how to open to dukkha, that I like to tell the story about it. Um, and, and, and see if you, you you see what I mean. There's a there's a lot of uh, a lot in it. Um, and this uh, this is a, a, a tradition that we have at uh, Chitters in the nuns area, um, and the nuns and the laywomen that every Friday afternoon um, we gather for uh, ladies' tea. <laughs> and it's lovely. It's something the nuns set up uh, as an opportunity to. Uh, be make themselves available to the laywomen in the community to uh, come and uh, talk uh, about Dhamma. And um, the idea is that, you know, you bring to the gathering um, life issues, you know, things that are going on in our lives that um, we're struggling with, maybe, and that um, it would be very helpful to see through the eyes of Dhamma. You know, and, and certainly it can just be um, questions about the teachings that that would happen sometimes, uh, and, and I mean to be honest, sometimes it would just be end up being quite social. You know that uh, there's there's a great value in getting together and getting to know each other, talking about births and marriages and deaths and all of that. You know, and so uh, but we would just gather in this very comfortable, supportive environment um, in this little parlor in the two or three hundred year old cottage, you know, by the side of a rippling creek, you know, it's just this kind of idyllic setting, a little hobbit hut, and uh, and sometimes we'd have a fire and, um, you know, just make it all, all very um, uh, conducive, if you will. And so um, one time, uh, one Friday, this uh, woman came in, and you know, you, you never know who's going to speak up or what the topic is going to be, where it's going to go. Uh, but it was very clear when she came in the door that uh, she was bubbling over with something. And, um, and so it was obvious that she was going to be the one to speak, you know. So when we uh, sat down and, um, you know, opened the floor, basically, she she just poured out this uh, tremendous stress. It was very obvious. Uh, you know, she's English, and the, the English aren't, don't particularly uh, show their stress, you know, so this was, particular, this was extreme in a way, you know. Uh, so she, uh, she was kind of boiling over with this. And um, what she reported was that um, a, a very difficult situation at work where um, she was a teacher and uh, the new... Uh, Superintendent, I believe, or some some similar counterpart to that, um, it was just kind of being very heavy-handed with the system, with with the teachers, and um, issuing a lot of directives, making a lot of changes, going through um, like just imposing a lot of new ways of doing things and new rules on people without uh, having involved them in any way. And these were all things that were going to affect them greatly, and yet they had no say in any of it. You know, they just had to uh, uh, stand up to it and, and uh, uh, follow these follow these new rules, and uh, so it it created a very um, uncomfortable and unpleasant environment, a work environment for her, 
where people were um, in, in great distress. Um, also, uh, little factions were getting uh, established, as it, as it does. I'm sure you've been in situations like this, and um, some backbiting going on. Um, uh, just a, a lot of um, uh, the, the way that uh, your language turns to incorrect speech very easily when, when you're under a lot of stress or a lot of pain. Uh, and, and that part was uh, just as distressing as the uh, issues that she had to deal with. You know, she, she didn't, she didn't uh, have allies particularly who wanted to work with this in a more um, mature way. And so, you know, the, uh, it was just really interesting, and she was very tearful, um, but it was interesting what our response was. And these are a bunch of women, long-time Dhamma practitioners, and, and yet, you know, the first thing we did was just jump in there with all the ways to fix it. You know, all the ways, that, like, like uh, offering su- suggestions, you know. Maybe she wasn't as alone as she thought. Maybe she just had to talk to more people and find her allies and, and uh, you know, uh, did she, uh, was there a board of directors? Could she go to somebody and, and, you know, she needed to go higher up. You need to go higher, you need to go above these people and smack them around a bit, you know. The, that was the kind of the, one of the responses. And, uh, or, or, you know, um, there was a, a, a sense of uh, um, gathering um, people around uh, the grievance procedures just to see if there was a grievance procedure and uh, if she should get, get people together and, and uh, make a report, make a formal report and all like this. And so there was a lot of good ideas. And, and actually, to be, to be fair and to be honest, the sentiment in all of this is lovely, isn't it? You know, we're just, we're just reaching out to somebody in pain and trying to um, fix it, trying to help, trying to relieve the pain somehow in uh, the only way that we know how, which is, uh, you know, to get rid of it, <laughs> to, to force it, uh, uh, force it uh, out of existence in, in one way or another. So we had a lot of good ideas, and, but it was very easy to see as they were unfolding that there were problems with every one of them. And uh, we started to get the sense, just as it went on for a while, that um, there was uh, no solution uh, in these things that we were offering. And so, um, after a long silence, uh, you know, we were just all sitting there, kind of soaking in it, you know, that feeling. And uh, someone just uh, popped up and said, well, this is it, isn't it? <laughs> and, and, you know, it was like, this is, this is what the Buddha said. This is dukkha. You have to associate with things you don't like, be separated from things you like, not have things go the, the way that you want. Uh, this is all the, the first noble truth. And uh, there is dukkha. That's the way that it is. Uh, and, and with that, it was quite palpable, the energy shift in the room. You could feel it, you know, because of the stillness, and because of the pointedness with which it was delivered, you know, the whole, it was like the bottom fell out. And um, she just went, made, let out this sigh and started to cry, you know, and just really began to really touch the pain uh, that she was in. 
uh, and, and yet, you know, and beginning to feel how all these remedies were ways that the mind um, deflects the attention from that. You know, it's, it's doing everything. The mind is like scrambling to not have to feel it. You know, and this is the way, this is the way it is, you know. Um, when you can touch that, you drop down to the heart. But most of the time in our day-to-day lives, uh, we're bumping up against dukkha all the time, you know, in one form or another, uh, physical or mental, or in, in relationships and things like this, uh, work environments and all. And, uh, you know, there's the, it, this is what the mind does. It goes into overdrive. <laughs> it, it goes into this um, fix it, repair it, get on top of it, do something about it um, mode. And, uh, you know, it, you, don't, you don't have to sit with that a little bit to begin to realize the, the foolishness of these kinds of approaches. But um, it's all we know at some point. You know, it, it, until we be we come to the Dhamma, until we start to to contemplate um, different uh, responses or what's going on with all this, that's the only thing that we know. And and the Buddha is saying in the Noble Truth that, uh, in the, particularly in the Second Noble Truth, that you know, far from fixing things, <laughs> when we get into this craving mode, when we get into the wanting, that movement of the mind that wants it to be some way other than it is, we actually uh, really uh, compound it. Because now you not only have the condition, which in itself is dukkha, (laughs) now you've got um, this added uh, reaction to it, which um, is is complicating it. It's making it more problematic than uh, we've added another layer instead of taking anything away. You know, now we're, now we're, we're really in the soup. Uh, and and the, the whole system contracts around what, what is. Uh, and this is the way it is in samsara. You know, it's, it's actually normal <laughs> within samsara. But the um, insight isn't there. The understanding isn't there. The heart hasn't quite gone to that place just yet. So in, in this teaching, to me, it's as if the Buddha is, is inviting us to turn around and face the monster. You know, this, there's something that we've been running away from all of our lives, and uh, just a turn around and greet it head on, like we do in those dreams where the monster is chasing us, you know? And, you know, I love those interpretations of that, where when you do that, you turn around and say, what, what's going on? And I don't know, I was thought you were running, so I was running with you, you know? <laughs> it's that kind of thing. So just to open to the conditions uh, of our lives, and, and we open uh, to these truths. And, and so um, in this group, we, we went there, and uh, you could see the, the tears just uh, forming, and not only her eyes, but everybody's eyes, you know? And uh, she finally just totally broke down. It's, it's horrible, it's horrid. It's, uh, it's like living under tyranny. And uh, I don't like it. I don't want it to be that way. You know, it's very, very painful. Uh, and all that we could do, the rest of us in the room, was to uh, affirm that. <laughs> you know, yeah. It's like that. That's the, that's the way it is. It's, uh, it's like that sometimes. 
So I think what he's trying to get us to is that, that the truth of dukkha, the truth of this reality, is, is that people treat each other badly sometimes. You know, they may, we, we may not mean to, it may not be our intention, but it, it does come out that way frequently. And um, I began to see in my own practice that, uh, you know, sometimes um, you're on the receiving end of that. You're the jabby, you know. But to be honest, sometimes you're the one doing it, you know. <laughs> you're the jabber. And, and just to begin to, to realize that unwittingly, uh, mostly just because we aren't moving slow enough and careful enough and maybe don't have enough insight, that it, we almost necessarily um, hurt each other you know, from time to time. Um, and in part, this is why we have the precepts. To me, the, 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 the Buddha's gift here with the precepts is uh, it, it's, it's an effort to kind of cut down on some of that, you know. If you at least have the uh, intention and the training to try to behave in skillful ways, then uh, we, we put a significant dent in uh, the, um, uh, just the... Uh, experience of dukkha and the uh, frequency of it. So, uh, you know, it's, it, it's always going to be this way in, in samsara. And one of the images I had um, a long time ago when I was scrambling with one of my own forms of dukkha, you know, was I, I remembered those um, punching dolls we used to have when we were a kid. I don't know if you had them, but they were somewhat life-size, at least three feet tall. And they were blow-up dolls and weighted in the bottom so that you could punch it and it would fall down and it would come back up and you'd punch it again and it would fall down and it'd come back up and you punch it again and it falls down and it comes back up, you know. And I just had this image of that. That's what it, uh, life feels like. <laughs> and uh, like, you you know, there's two sides of it to the image, really. It was just kind of getting it that um, it isn't a question of whether or not you're going to get jabbed, you know. <laughs> It's just a question of how often uh, and uh, how hard it's going to be, you know, <laughs> and, and maybe what it's going to be about. But the interesting, the other side of it was, um, you always seem to get back up. And it, that was very a very hopeful realization for me, that there's something, there's some uh, uncanny stamina in, in the human heart that seems to have a great capacity for enduring this. Uh, and, and if you add to that the possibility that one um, might be looking at it at the same time, you know, it's a great combination for understanding. Yeah, you, you will endure it, hopefully um, long enough uh, to garner the insight into it, to be able to, to see through it and uh, relieve at least that second arrow, relieve that, that part of it. <coughs> and it, it's, it's weird, but um, that, that opening to it, that uh, allowing that it's there. Uh, and granted, we go through, the, qualitatively, one has a, a whole range of uh, the degree to which we do that. You know, just they're really touching that. But um, it, it's weird, because sometimes that's all you really have to do. It's, a, it's quite amazing. Um, you actually uh, touch the, the core issue, have a good cry, um, or punch walls like I do sometimes. <laughs> just, 
just to release the, the con- contraction around it and, and, and just kind of get down dirty into the uh, reality of this condition. Let, let it be. And um, from that vantage point, it, it, it's weird, but things start to look a lot different, don't they? something, some major charge and some major reactive delusion begins to break up and uh, be be dispelled. And and we all know this, I know it, uh, you know it, but the the process that one has to go through to really have the truth of this penetrate our hearts uh, can, can go on for a long time. You know, it took me many years um, before I, I kind of realized that insight into dukkha wasn't going to be a lot of fun. <laughs> you know, you're just going to have to keep opening, honey. You know, you're just going to have to keep sticking your showing your shoulders back and sticking your chest out and, and letting it in. You know, but I, I can remember one time a, a, a number of years ago where. Uh, I had to give a talk on dukkha, and uh, as I was getting ready for it, I was um, incredibly agitated, in- incredibly restless in- inside. And, and, and it hit me, you know, uh, you don't want to go there. <laughs> you just don't. You don't. You don't want to talk about it. You don't want to touch it. You don't want it to be the way that it is. Uh, you, you know, that's you actually want to see that. You know, that, that, uh, this this heart uh, was really, really uh, not wanting it to be that way. But but what happens, and and I'm sure you've seen this, is that over time, um, as we open to uh, life's difficulties and 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 really feel the the pain of life, um, you begin to see that that's that's actually um, far less painful than um, resisting it, fighting it, going into, you know all the stuff we do around, you know, he shouldn't have and I shouldn't have and I said, what's the matter with me, what's the matter with them? All that ranting that goes on around imperfect moments, difficult moments, you know, uh, physical pain, mental pain, whatever, uh, that it, it, it's better to um, just be with the pain of it than to be preoccupied all the time with these um, superficial remedies that the, the unawakened mind keeps throwing up. So um, in, insight into dukkha just cuts through all that reactive stuff. It, it gets us to a place where it, it, things get very real. <laughs> you know, that's what I felt happened in that room with the women. All of a sudden it got real. <laughs> Yeah, there was no denying it. Uh, this really stinks, you know, that feeling. And 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 that getting real carries with it um, a, a kind of a rude awakening, which is that there isn't any getting away from dukkha. There isn't any. That's the point. There isn't any getting free free of it. At least, not the way the unawakened mind goes about it. You know, there, there, this is the reality of uh, human existence, the reality of, of living in samsara. And, um, and, and yet that weird realization bringing a, a tremendous amount of relief. 
And so then, then it took us to another layer uh, as we were sitting with it in this room. And, and after this long silence, where in, you know, we were just kind of soaking in the dukkha of it all, then, you know, the sort of that, well, yeah, but, you know, <laughs> the, the kind of yes, but questions started to rise up, you know, uh, these, these obvious questions of, well, um, is the Buddha saying that you, you can't do anything about these situations? What, what about this work situation? Can she do something about it? Can she address it? You know, it, 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 it often it's misquoted that the, the first noble truth is sort of like, you know, um, there, there is dukkha, so wake up and be miserable. You know, <laughs> it's just, it's just it's be there and you can't do anything about it. You know, is he saying become a doormat? Accept it, play dead, that kind of thing? And so, what should she do? What, where do we go with it from this point? We're touching it. Now what do we do? That kind of feeling. And, and this is where the, the subtlety of the, the teaching comes in. And I mean, see, see how it sits with you. I, I don't know. To, to me, it's as if the, the Buddha it doesn't really get involved at that level. You know, that's up to us. You know, that's, that's not what he's pointing to solutions, remedies. Certainly there's a lot in the teachings that, are, that do address that. Certainly uh, all the suttas that have to do with good conduct and uh, that have to do with living together in harmony, have to do with settling disputes. There's a lot of stuff in the suttas that, that uh, help us with it and address it head on in a way. But, um, you know, in this teaching, I don't think he's really getting at that, you know. He's just saying... Uh, leave it, keep it simple. <laughs> there is dukkha, and, and find a way to get the heart uh, to that uh, reality. Just uh, stop the craving, stop the wanting things to be some other way, and and open to um, the the reality of the way that it is. And in a way, it's it's kind of like, and see where that leaves you. <laughs> see where that takes you. Do that. Do that first. And, and, it, and so, you know, it's not going to change the condition of our life. He's not, he's not really addressing that. He's, re- he's just saying, um, it, this will, uh, when done well, dramatically change um, how you hold it and um, how you're with it. That, and that's the issue that's being addressed in the, in the Noble Truths. So it's interesting, but and ironically, I think uh, it has to be said that when you do that, um, it actually can be the very thing that you need to do to help us understand and accept that uh, some situations are are untenable. <laughs> you know, I remember a talk one time with Richard Bach gave, and and um, the one I can't remember much of the talk, but the one line that really stood out, he says, you know. No problem is too big that you can't run away from it. <laughs> and, and I think that's, that's sort of, that, that can come with touching dukkha. And maybe, maybe this is a situation that you need to move away from. But it, it comes more clearly and it comes without a lot of residue or ripples in the mind. Uh, when uh, we actually uh, go to the heart of the matter first, 
you know, what's happening is that the, the mind is trying to get rid of it, and uh, we want to be able to go towards it and to actually feel it. And I had a good example of this years ago. I used to work in the women's movement in, in my youth, and um, one of the things that, we, that was up at that time um, was um, the uh, concern about battered women. And it was not an issue that was dressed, addressed uh, socially, particularly, or um, any kind of legal remedies um, uh, until about uh, 30, 40 years ago. And, and so uh, one of the big um, thrusts in a lot of the community um, status of women commissions, which is where I worked, was to um, uh, start a shelter for battered women, which we did. And. Uh, um, it, it, I reflected back on this many years later because one of the questions that kept coming up when we were first um, going out and talking about it and developing interest um, in supporting this movement was, um, why do women stay? Granted, it's a pretty ignorant question, but, but uh, that was a common question that came up. And, um, certainly one doesn't want to um, dismiss the complexity of what goes on in people's lives that makes them um, stay in very, very difficult situations. Uh, and you certainly don't want to diminish the pain they're in. Uh, but it was very interesting as we followed this project through to begin to, to realize that, because we saw it, it was actually um, a, a point in uh, some women's lives where... Um, they got it that they were being mistreated, <laughs> you know. And, and, and up until that point, there was a lot of explaining it away. Oh, he doesn't mean it. Oh, this, that, the other thing. A lot of rationalizations, justifications, mo deflecting of the mind away from the reality that they were getting beat up, you know. And and once they could uh, touch that then you'd start to see some breakthroughs in terms of their capacity to pick themselves up by their bootstraps and, and uh, deal with their life, get, deal with this issue and get on with their lives, you know. But, it, it, you know, as I said, looking back, it, it just uh, struck me as a very good example of how uh, getting close to the reality um, can actually begin to uh, help us to solve things help us to deal with things. So our, our first line of response has to be to, to open the, the heart to dukkha, to feel it, to let it be the way that it is, to let it be what it is. <laughs> don't you hate that? <laughs> it's like, you know, we just, we don't want that. You know, and, uh, uh, you know, it's as if the Buddha is saying that you can't address concerns skillfully until, uh, or as long as one is preoccupied with one's own pain. You can't, you can't, you can do something, but the, the greatest uh, response, the most efficacious response will come out of uh, having, touch, having actually touched it. And I had, I've had a great experience with this with one, uh, a friend in my life, one of my monk friends that I've known for many, many years. Um, you know, we, we all have friends, and we are probably this way ourselves in other people's lives, that, that do things that irritate the hell out of us, <laughs> or that actually hurt, out and out hurt. 
And the, this friend of mine uh, has a way of, of talking to me sometimes that feels very patronizing and um, uh, belittling, you know. And it just comes out in little burps every now and then, you know. It's not like this dominant feature of his, of his manner or his personality. But it does come out. And um, it hurts, you know, it, it hurts. Uh, for many years, I mean, I've been, I was looking at this for many, many years before I began to get some insight into what was going on. And, and, and I watched my mind uh, go through all of it, you know, from what's wrong with me, why does this hurt? <laughs> you know, that, that response that we often go to, to the he doesn't mean it, or it's just, you know, that, that we're all unconscious, everybody has these stupid things they do, and we're all hurting each other, and nobody, nobody's really fully taking in how we're doing that, and all of these things. My, my, my mind would just um, uh, explain it to myself in any number of ways. Um, uh, but again, all, all in the interest of, of not actually going there, or maybe just not knowing that going there was um, going to be the best uh, response. And so then, you know, as I came to understand uh, Dhamma better, and um, this, the First Noble Truth, I just kept, uh, I, I took on a new strategy of just um, uh, feel it, you know? So he says, he does that thing he does. He goes, stay there, you know? And, he, and then he goes on for a while and he doesn't do it, and then he, he does it again. And, Stay there, you know. Just just keep doing that, and um, even um, acknowledging it with uh, saying what it's like, you know. Like I, I picked up the word "ouch," you know. It's just like "ouch," ooh, ouch, ouch, and and not leaving that. You know, are you with me? You know, just just staying there as many times as it happened over the years, um, as many uh, times as I remembered it and it hurt again, because my memory would bring up the, the pain. And, and just doing that. And it had, this, um, it had this effect over time of um, taking it out of the realm of the personal. Uh, so that uh, it, it wasn't that thing he's doing to me. You know, and interestingly, during this period, I began to see that he actually does it to everybody. You know, it wasn't it wasn't personal, but we can make it very very personal. You know, but but that was just an, an aside kind of insight, uh, and and just to um, let it be that way. You know, we all we all have um, these uh, personality traits, and we all have our blind sides. We don't know that we're doing things and. Um, can that be okay? Is sort of where I got to with it. You know, can I just make peace with the, the fact of it? Um, and, and it's not to say I'm not going to do anything about it, but right now, can, that, can, I make, can I stay with it and make peace with it? And uh, it, it, it was very, very powerful for me because it got, got me to a place where, at least in this particular situation, um, I didn't feel I had to say anything. You know, sometimes in other in relationships we address these things and we say, you know, you, this thing you're doing is really bothering me and, and you um, try to work it out. But what you learn through the years of looking at your own stuff is that these things don't change very much. <laughs> 
you know, it, it's not that it's hopeless, but um, we, don't, we don't remember. We're not always looking out for the other person that much. So uh, it's, a, it's not that it's a, a hopeless approach, but, you know, I didn't want to put a lot of energy in that. <laughs> Just uh, receive it. Just receive it. Allow it. The, the, the rest of it is so good. The rest of the friendship is so good. Who cares, you know? I get to that place. And, and it was great. And, and so uh, one doesn't always have to do something about it. You may decide that you want to, but we don't always have to do something about it. And, and once the heart uh, opens, um, if you're going to do something, it becomes clear what that can be, what would be very, very useful. And Andy, Andy was talking today about uh, Gandhi, and one of my top ten movies of all times, top ten people of all times, the, the story and that beautiful movie that Attenborough made about it years ago. And uh, I remembered when he said that, when I, one of my favorite um, parts of the, his life and that was represented in this film was... Uh, when he, be, he began to be, uh, become increasingly aware of how much pain his countrymen were in. And, um, and yet, um, it, it, you know, he, he knew it to some extent, but he wanted to go and meet it completely. And so um, for, I forget, I don't know how, how long, months or maybe even a couple of years, I don't remember, um, he um, traveled around the country in very humble ways, you know, walking on trains um, and just met with people and um, asked them to talk to him, <laughs> to, to tell me about the dukkha <laughs> and, and uh, let it um, in, let it, let, his, uh, let it touch his heart. And of course we all know what, how powerful that was. Uh, you know, he, he said he, need, he, he needed to know it firsthand. He needed to feel it as deeply as he possibly could. And then uh, the remedy um, became very clear. And the conviction that he had and the power to stand up to a whole nation, <laughs> you know, basically, and say, you know, this isn't working you, you know, to the British. You, you, it's, it's not working. You're hurting us. And, and to have them leave, <laughs> you know, that's, I mean, it's not that it wasn't without some struggle, but um, that, that's, that's powerful. To me, that was just a really powerful example of what touching dukkha can do, you know, the strength that it gives us, the, the clarity, the wisdom, the understanding. So sometimes the, the, the process of, of uh, getting to the truth is very powerful and, and sometimes it's very painful. Sometimes it takes 20 years, like it did with my friend, <laughs> you know, to, to sort out, you know, <laughs> go through it all, you know, and I really did. You know, a lot of it was uh, kind of, why can't, why can't men be more like women? <laughs> that that was definitely in it, you know. Uh, man, oh. you know, it was, it was one of those uh, those moments for me, just waking up to the differences and the ways we relate and making it be okay. 
So one certainly isn't there yet, but we get glimpses, don't we? We begin to understand the, the truth of dukkha. So that there, there is difficulty in our experience as human beings, and uh, opening to that can be very, very painful. But um, to me, it's as if, just working with this over the years, it's as if that um, perverse or that uh, uh, initial kind of realization of dukkha, uh, and even as it begins to penetrate over, over the years, um, it, it's only uh, temporary. Because he, that, that, that deeply, deeply feeling the pain of dukkha helps us to uh, receive that as a reality. And it, it's not like it, it stops hurting. But we, because in some ways, I find open to the truth of dukkha means that you're, you're actually, from that point on, you actually feel things much more deeply. <laughs> But you're also touching impermanence and things because you're not battling, because you're not struggling with the condition. And it just it it's like everything that occurs. It, it it rises, it reaches a peak, and that peak can get very brutal at times. But it, it moves through and it passes passes on, and we get it that that's that's the way it is. You know, it's like. Mm. <laughs> Do you feel the pain? Let it rise, let it peak, let it move through. You know, fortunately, the good stuff uh, gets very deep too. You know, the, the experience of joy and happiness that comes out of this uh, begins to uh, uh, increase as well. So I, I find with all of this, uh, Duke has been a huge teacher. And as I said, I'm certainly not there yet, uh, but uh, we're all working with it, aren't we? But it's been a great um, opportunity to uh, to wake up to life. You know, this is this is the way it is. It's certainly not like this all the time, but it is like this a lot. And uh, if we keep pushing it away, then uh, we miss a lot of really good lessons, a lot of really good uh, opportunities for wisdom and understanding. And we keep pushing away a lot of life. It's like we, we compartmentalize it all. You know, and we've got to overcome this bias in the unawakened mind that, that says that it should be great all the time. You know, it should be pleasant all the time. It, it's, a, it's, a, it's a wrong view. <laughs> and that has to be seen through. Because as long as that persists, then every time it's not pleasant, every time it's, uh, it's difficult, then uh, the mind will pounce. You know, it, it just and it will cling, and it will grab, and it will crave, and it will want it to be some other way. Uh, so there's no end to it except uh, turning around and facing the monster. That may not sound like good news, <laughs> but it really is, isn't it? Don't you find it? It's like let, letting accept uh, the, the conditions of life and um, stop making a problem out of them and then um, life uh, stops being a problem yeah so I hope some of this is helpful uh, offer this for your reflection tonight thank you for listening 
To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.